welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. On today's episode, we speak to Jaden Comerford, CEO and founder of Unified. What did you think, Rob? Awesome chat. Awesome chat. I just like that he's just owned what he's done, what he does since the start. 17 years old, going out on your own saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm making a life out of it. I know, it's crazy. And now some of the stories that he, he told throughout the, the episode, I mean mind-blowing Vance Joy the story of how that all blew up music as a product talking about global strategy traveling while working gaming passion and purpose balancing work and life journaling we talk a lot about LinkedIn as well um and and Jim Collins so there's plenty going on you do a little spiel about microgreens too I don't know if you remember but um, I wish I didn't I wish I didn't but (laughs) hey it's in there uh this episode's ripper we've um We've been chatting to Jaden a bit lately and he's a good dude. So we're, uh, we're excited to release this episode. Hey, Jaden Comerford, thank you so much for, for jumping on. Um, lovely to see you as always. Uh, we've been chatting the last couple of, uh, oh, we're going to say last week. Was it last week? I think it was last week. It was last week. But um, yeah, managed to, to map out uh, a podcast with the man, the, the king of Unified. What's going on? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you doing? We're going right. It's a good. It's a good way to spend our Monday night. Yeah, I'm stoked. It's awesome to uh, to to be chatting. I've been loving the podcast, and it's an honour to uh, to get on board with you guys. He's he's pumping our tires. Just how we like it when we click record. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. All right. Just give us a bit of a lowdown on um, what's been happening in your world lately. What have you been working on? What's cooking? Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously, it's been a pretty interesting year for, for most people in the world. Um, but yeah, working in the music business, you know, uh, March 13, you know, the phone started ringing and, you know, festivals started getting cancelled and tours started getting cancelled and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, for, you know, for a good few months there, that was a really big part of our life. So, you know, just just context, you know, our business managers, you know, 40 plus artists, plus we have our own festivals, we have artists touring all over the world. Um, so yeah, within a matter of weeks, you know, we're sort of saying goodbye to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of gigs. Uh, and so that was affecting our business, um, our staff and, and, you know, our artists as well, which is super important. You know, it's the reason why we do what we do. So, um, but, you know, we sort of made a commitment at the beginning to, you know, get through it. I think that was the only, only option. So, we, we focused on uh, innovation and connection. They were like the two big keys for us. Um, and so we said, well, let's keep everyone connected in the company and let's innovate. And, you know, we're now six months in, we've got businesses that are now not qualifying for JobKeeper because their revenue's grown and, and we've got, you know, a couple of new businesses that are actually about to be launched a um, bunch of different verticals happening across different parts of the business. So it's been, um, been a crazy few months, but it's been, uh, been a lot of fun. It's definitely put my, my leadership skills uh, to the test. Mate, it sounds like it's been a bit of a challenging but interesting time. Yeah, look, I've enjoyed it. Like, you know, there's, when I say I've enjoyed it, like it's been, yeah, like it's been very tough for, for the world, obviously, um, you know, people losing their lives and people losing their jobs and, all this kind of horrible stuff, but, you know, being in a position of leadership and being able to, I guess, yeah, put your work to, to put your, your skills to work, I guess. Um, but also like learning to, you know, we've obviously been doing video calls for years now, but like learning to run an entire business, just there on a screen all day, every day, you know? So like this morning we had a, it's Monday. So we had a, 9am leadership team meeting there's eight of us and you know we just had the best vibe like I reckon it was one of the best meetings we've ever had and and it was no one was in the same room and it's just been commitment it's been hard work it's been having to like challenge each other pull each other up when um when people weren't pulling their weight but equally knowing when to check in and go hey are you okay you know because whether it's someone's homeschooling or whether someone's you know really hung over because they drank too much wine last night or, you know, like whatever it is, like just trying to like wrap your arms around people when you're not in the same room as them is like, um, yeah, an interesting thing to, to pick up on during this time. 
you, you were saying that you're, you're usually on the road a lot, you're traveling a lot. Is it been interesting or difficult for you to be stuck in one spot? Well, look, yeah, I got back from the States at the end of February and was ready to go again around the 20th of March. Um, and obviously that, that flight didn't happen, but yeah, I haven't been to the airport since February. I honestly think it's the longest that I've gone, not going to the airport since I was probably 17 years old, which is nearly 20 years ago. So yeah, like, so I, I work with my wife. Um, we, we manage, uh, dance joy together and we, yeah, we've been traveling together, but also apart for the last, you know, pretty much the last 10 years. So the last six months, you know, we're, we're here in Fitzroy at our home and it's probably the longest we've spent together, like in the 10 years that we've been together, which is, um, it's awesome, but I, I'm loving it, honestly. Home cooked meals and um, just good quality time with each other. Um, but yeah, not gonna lie. Like I miss, I miss our team in Sydney. I miss our team in LA. Like, you know, I miss just all the different things that we used to do, but um, incredibly grateful for the time that I'm getting to spend with my wife and yeah, getting to know people like you guys. I might not have, I might not have known you if I didn't have the spare time to click on LinkedIn and, and have a snoop around and, and uh, here we are. There you go, mate. LinkedIn, it works, mate. Jaden's on holidays, he's cruising, he's, he's checking LinkedIn and we're there. <laughs> That's what I do on <laughs> no, holidays, yeah. I knew it had happened, you know what I mean? LinkedIn first approach, it works. LinkedIn first approach. Take us back and Give us the spiel. Tell us how Unified all came together. You mentioned you were 17. That's pretty young to, to be getting things moving, moving yeah. and shaking. What, were you at school? What's the go there? What happened? I just finished school and I was getting ready to go to Victoria University and study a business degree majoring in music industry. I guess I just had the thought that, you know, I'd go to uni, get a degree, and then I'd be in the music industry because that was the name of the course. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I like thought. That. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Um, but yeah, so me and a friend started a record label together called Boomtown Records. Um, I thought it was nothing more than a hobby. Um, I just assumed I would graduate and go and get a real job, so to speak. Uh, and then, yeah, first year out of uni, I released an album from a band called Behind Crimson Eyes, who, um, yes, you know, just huge. They were fucking massive. They were huge. And, and they, were, they were doubly huge because the, the guy that owned their record label was like living at home with his parents and just like literally like the CDs were stored in the garage and I just go down to the post office and send them via OzPost to <laughs> all over the world. And so it was this crazy, crazy thing where like, I didn't, you know, this is no, I hope the band doesn't feel like I let them down. Cause I think we worked really hard together, but like, I was so out of the loop of what I was doing where like the, their album would go down the ARIA charts, but I wouldn't find out about it till like a month later because I didn't even know where to check the ARIA charts, you know? So the point was it was so early and I was just sort of figuring it out. And, and I guess I just continued on that path of, um, of figuring it out and, you know, hired one of my best mates, Luke Logerman, who still works at the company today. Um, and then we just built, um, and, but we, we were, we were in this really interesting time where it was, it was literally as like Napster was coming in, CDs were going away and once again being sort of slightly removed from the industry didn't really understand what that meant um, so we sort of found the business uh, you know that first big record we put out like we learned pretty quickly that they don't all go that well um, so you know we had to diversify uh, we started managing some of the bands including Behind Grooms and Eyes we started doing t-shirt printing we started sort of building this sort of like little mini kind of ecosystem, but we didn't do it because it was like, oh, here's the, the vertical integration strategy or the expansion 101 or blah, blah, blah. It was just what felt right. It was like this organic evolution, which is a term we've used before. Um, and you know, ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And uh, in 2011, we, we changed the name of the business to Unified. And um, it was at a time where me and business partner were separating and we sort of started to build, I guess, the next chapter of, of the business. And when I say we, it was me and Luke um, and it was about 12 of us. Um, fast forward now, uh, there's almost 50 people at the company. We've got staff in, in Melbourne and Sydney and LA and London. Um, we've got a factory out in Western Melbourne and in Brooklyn, prints all our t-shirts and sends all of the merch out to people that order online. And yeah, kind of got this business that's like, um, 
yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's a long way from the you know the garage and the Australia Post shop. Um, you know, when I was a kid. That that's unreal. The evolution and how it unfolds and the things that so you learn by doing pretty much. It's like everyone who I say who goes to uni, you should fucking like if you're studying marketing, why aren't you studying? Why aren't you starting your own business? Like you can literally learn and do it at the same time. But learning by doing and making their mistakes early and just figuring it out, like. You're one of the people, I feel like a lot of people go, oh, I wish I thought of that when I was 17 and started when I was 17. You actually fucking did it. Did it. <laughs> like, that's crazy. And now what are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. How dare you? So just- <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? I- I'm 36. 36? If, if you don't mind me If asking. you don't mind me asking. How polite. <laughs> <I'm> so polite. <laughs> polite. 36. So you've been in the, you've seen the evolution in Napster and obviously with COVID hitting, like you've obviously, you said, beforehand that you weren't really aware of what was happening because you felt a bit removed from the industry but now you're a key figure you're a big player and you're talking about innovation and and all that sort of stuff how did that all come about for you when it when it hit when COVID hit was the brain just ticking over new ideas what are we doing now um yeah I think like the first thing was like survival you know like how are we gonna I think you know I got advice from so many different people but it's like it was kind of like what was it survive revive thrive i think something like that sounds like but it was kind of like stop the breed stop the bleeding figure out the state of play and then figure out where to go from there and i think that first stage was probably like a month of kind of like what is actually going on because it went from like oh this this thing this thing will be over in a week <laughs> to kind of like i will be good by april and then it was kind of like i oh, know this is really bad um and business is going to be different for a very long time. Um, but I think, yeah, it just took time for people to realize and it took, took time for me to realize, but it took time for others because you had people that were planning, you know, tours or, or, or certain activities and not wanting to admit or not wanting to, yeah, not wanting to admit the reality of what was happening. Mm-hmm. But that was a thing like no one knew what was happening and no one knew in a lot of ways, we still don't really know what's happening as far as, how long things could last and whether or not other things could, could pop up. But yeah, for me, it was like, let's look after the team. Let's figure out, you know, um, we went super conservative, like financially, like I stopped paying myself immediately and continued to do that for about four months just to kind of like keep as much money in the business as possible. And just, just a bunch of things like that. Um, so we could, yeah, so we could survive. And, and now we're starting to move into that thrive, you know, mode where it's like, where is the opportunity? Um, let's go. Such an interesting time for the music industry and the arts industry is that relies on like live interactions and live gigs. It's, but as it also, like what I was saying, has opened up such a cool opportunity for like things to be, how do you deliver experiences remotely? Like, like we mentioned before, like we're talking on zoom, we're doing things, but it's going to be around forever. Like, like really innovation in that sort of space. I think it's going to bloody open up or it is, has to be. Has it been a difficult time for your artists? Obviously, it's been um, a challenge with all the gigs being out of there, but it must have been a pretty a big shock to their system having their livelihoods taken away from them. Totally, yeah. And it's something that we really can't take lightly. You know, like people that make a living from performing and not just from a financial point of view, but like it's such a part of their identity um, to have to all of a sudden sit at home and everyone's coping with it differently. Um, but like my wife also manages Jack River. Um, incredible artist from New South Wales and she did a gig on Zoom last night um, which was just awesome and she did it specifically for people in Victoria because she was feeling full and wanted to sort of entertain them and it was just it was so nice you know just sitting there on Zoom seeing all these people smiling and it was around uh, started at six so the sun was setting so you could see all different people's different people's screens change colours and yeah it was a really um, it's really amazing to see what's possible Um, and uh, you know we've seen some incredible, incredibly successful live streams where it's like proving that there's a business model in it as well, because not only are these gigs really good for connection, but they're also really good to reach people that can't make it to a gig. And, and, and in the first instance, you think about someone that's maybe in like Wagga Wagga or something, but then you're like, what about the person in like Taiwan or Belarus or in Russia that can't get to the, the violence Soho gig? at the Tivoli on Friday night in Brisbane, you know, there's a huge opportunity once you start to really open your mind up to that. 
hundred percent. But it is hard to emulate that live. Like when you go, I think when you go to an event and when you're like in the flesh in real life, it's just, you're immersed in everything. You know what I mean? It's the stories that you're with when you're with your friends, it's the other things that come with it. So maybe like the ones that actually tune into the live stream, you're seeing who the true fans really are. You know what I mean? It's not just to go out to get fucked up with your friends and there's a band playing. It's like, no, we love these artists and this is probably a more accurate measurement of the people, the true fans. Definitely. Is that true? I just made that up. I don't know. Is that true? Sound right. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) That's it. It's virtual events. It's a long way away from a 17 year old kid selling CDs from a garage. What was the transition like? For, I, I feel like that there's, there's so much that happened in the music world between that point and, and then what are, what are some memorable moments that went through in your career? Um, I guess like, so, you know, talking about Behind Crimson Eyes, for those that don't know that band, which I you know, imagine a lot of people don't, like they're like a emo hardcore band. And so my background, like I grew up listening to punk rock. I still listen to punk rock and hardcore, like that's what I listen to. So. I spent most of my career working with artists like that. And we still work with a lot of bands like the Amity Affliction. You know, I've been working with them for nearly 15 years. You know, they've had four number one records and, you know, played Rod Laver Arena and, you know, sold out gigs all over the world. Um, but it was in 2012 when we uh, started working with Vance Joy, um, which was kind of like the, the moment when I guess the business started to, I guess, grow a lot. Um, you know, at that point we're working with Amity, Affliction, Final Soho, Illy, a bunch of incredible artists, um, but no one that had had the global sort of success that Vance, you know, ended up having and is continuing to have. But like, I'll never forget one moment where um, he was playing Glastonbury Music Festival, which I assume most people heard of. Small little, yeah, festival. Yeah, and it's just like, it's pouring, like absolutely pouring as you'd expect, because it's a, you know, a British music festival. And he's on first, like 12 o'clock on the sort of like, not the smaller stage, but the, the smaller stage. And, you know, you, you take a little peek through the curtain and there's like five people and they've all got like Aussie flags and you're like, oh my God, what are we doing here kind of thing. Um, but, you know, fast forward 15 minutes and there's like thousands and thousands of people. And I don't know if you've seen footage of those European festivals, but there's they're always waving these big flags and some are Aussie flags, but others were just like whatever. And, it was just really epic, but what was even more epic was like standing there with my wife, Rachel, like watching, you know, our client uh, play Plaster Music Festival. Um, yeah, that was a pretty special moment, you know, one that I'll, I'll, I'll really never forget. He played, I've seen him play festivals in Colombia. I've seen him play Coachella. I've seen him sell out 17,000 tickets in Toronto. Um, you know, as a headline artist, you know, like really amazing stuff. Um, but I guess that was a really interesting uh, example of work, like the power of streaming, because um, if you wanted to do a case study on some of the first songs to like break globally through streaming, Riptide would be one of them. Um, so if you look at songs around that time that had similar kind of success that maybe came out like six months or a year earlier, Riptide streams are like double, triple, quadruple, because it really rode this really amazing wave. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just took him into a global audience. And, and for us as a business, like we mentioned Napster and CDs and how that whole thing kind of like really died. Um, you know, two of the most exciting things for me in the music business, other than obviously talent, is uh, streaming from a, in a global content sense, but then direct to consumer. So in one sense, you're serving the artists, fans with, you know, high quality content that they can, they can access through different channels, but then you can also, you know, post this amazing vinyl with this, you know, special limited edition t-shirt with a special edition, whatever, limited to 500, you know, three different colors put online and, and give them that experience. So it's kind of like that, like one, two punch. Um, and our business, you know, that's why we've got a factory with machines printing t-shirts and people putting stuff in boxes. Cause as much as I love the digitization of content, we don't want to give up on, that physical experience because it's so important with music. Love that. Lock on. You, you got to something, something to add. What, music as a product. Music as a product, man. That's what I, like, we had, um, I've always sort of had this feeling like, imagine if like Kurt Cobain had a UX designer or imagine if like, you know what I mean? If there was real design thinking around bands and artists and 
how they how they want people to consume their content. So if you're bringing out an album, like what does it feel like? What does every, it's like everything to do with it? We interviewed Saint Sinner and she was saying before my album, I I knew what the artwork was going to look like. I knew what the t-shirts are going to look like. I knew I wanted that experience for people. If I go live, that's the visual I want. Like if that's a smell, you know what I mean? Like I'll fucking spray a scent. You know what I mean? It's like I had, I own the whole sort of experience. And I feel like maybe in the, in the music scene, there's a lot of people who the essence of the creativity, they don't want to, they don't want it to be seen as a product. You know, they don't want to be seen as like a, well, it's a, it's a dirty word. You know what I mean? It's kind of a dirty word, but I feel like if you go the opposite way, put or pour all your creativity and your heart into the product and then think about how people are going to receive it and give it to them in the best possible way. Like that's going to be an unreal experience, isn't it? Yeah. And a lot of that does happen uh, different with different artists, but like, yeah, music would be one of the most like, I need to say this like respectfully because it comes with ultimate respect, but one of the more precious art forms as mm. far as like um, the things we say no to, um, you know, from a commercial point of view, the things that art says no to is makes no sense. Right. But then I always say like, what are some of the most iconic brands of all time? Like, of course we got Nike and Apple and all that sort of stuff, but Rolling Stones, Metallica, the Beatles, like these are some of the most iconic brands um, of, of all time. And they will always exist. And it's because of the things they said yes to, but in a lot of cases, also the things they said no to. Mm. It made them special by saying no. Yeah. 100%. Well, how did you go about breaking, like when Van Shui went- Yeah, the tipping point, you're like, going, fuck, streaming's unreal. How did you yeah. take it internationally? How did you, how did you, how did you make that happen? Like, what was the experience uh, like for you? I was in Darwin um, at the Indigenous Music Awards, actually. Um, and I got a phone call from New York uh, from a friend of mine who works at Atlantic Records. And he goes, hey, can you and um, James, who's Vance's real name, come to New York tomorrow? Um, <laughs> and I'd been to New York before, like a few times, but I wasn't like quite on the sort of get on the plane the next day kind of basis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in Darwin. So I said, look, you know, I think we could probably come next week. But yeah, so I called James up and we'd only been working together for a couple of weeks. And I said, look, you know, I played your song to some people in New York and they really like it. And um, what do you think about going to New York? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. So we, we literally spent two nights in New York. We flew there. We played for a bunch of people. We came back. Uh, we spent a few months negotiating a deal. And the next thing we knew, um, yeah, we're starting to map out this, this global strategy. Um, I'd already started to plan a move to New York. Um, I'd always wanted to live in the States and early on in my career, um, you know, I had a lot of friends go live overseas and a little brother went and did like a gap year in the UK. But like, you know, when I, I mentioned how, how young I was when I started the business. So not only did I have no time, but I also had no money. Um, so for me, I, I, and this isn't like a, well, was me, but like I missed out on this traveling, the backpacking and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, one day I'm going to move to New York and, and, uh, and I was going to move to New York and, and work you know, on really setting up the Amity Afflictions business overseas, um, which I was going to do anyway. And then Vance Joy just kind of like, I guess, fast-tracked it for me. So Rach and I moved to New York um, and she started touring with him. So anywhere he went, she went with him. Because, you know, to him, uh, do what he needed to do. And I basically stationed myself in New York and um, managed to convince the record company to give me a desk in their office. So I was working in like skyscraper, like in Midtown Manhattan. Um, I had like a security card to like swipe me into the building and stuff. It was <laughs> it was unreal. Like it was so cool. Um, and but then any opportunity I could, I'd be on a flight to, you know, out to down to Florida or at, you know out to Detroit or you know down to LA. And um, and oftentimes I'd get on the tour bus as well and just sort of go around. And because what I wanted to do was, not only did I want to meet. You know, every radio station I could, every venue promoter I could, but I also just wanted to like see America because I always knew that it's like, you know, obviously it, it's not without its shortcomings like any country, uh, especially at the moment, unfortunately, but it's, it's so big and it's so, there's just so much opportunity there. Um, so I was lucky enough to like see a huge amount of that country, which gave me the mindset that I needed to be able to go 
this can be this big. Um, and, and not just Vance, um, uh, Amity Affliction as well, Tash Sultana is another client that we represent for the Americas um, and, 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 and many other artists since. And so it's, it, was, it was like kind of being there and having that mindset and then bringing it back to Australia was, was a whole other thing as well, which was really, um, really exciting. That's cool. And you're saying you've got a hub now. So where was the other one? London as well. Yeah, so we've got one person in London, uh, Ben, who does all the marketing for our label. Um, and then we've got a four-person team in Los Angeles as well. No, everyone's on different time zones. It must be hard to stay connected at the moment. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty rare where there's like all three on the same call. Like someone's got to pull like the 4 a.m. shift. <laughs> <if> that, <happens>. so, <laughs> that, that really happens these days. The, the novelty wore off, I think. What about gaming? You got yeah. Tell us about gaming. You you were mentioning earlier off air. Um, you know your interest in that, and maybe that's a different sort of spin on Unified or or whatever. But can you can you explain a bit about your interest in gaming? Well, I think like it, it's it's early. Uh, a bunch of the things that we're working on in that space, but I think the most key thing is um, you know we manage talent. Uh, we invest in careers um, and. You know, I think I told you guys this story the other day, but like um, I'm going off on a, quite a tangent to slightly avoid having to tell you about a business that I haven't launched yet. Um, <laughs> but also just to kind of get into the essence of, I guess, what we're about. Um, and yeah, I think I told the story about we were, um, I'd been, uh, Vance was kicking off this big tour in, in actually in Vancouver. And I, I went for the first show and I flew back to Australia because we had our festival on. And me and Luke, who I mentioned earlier, we, we took a walk on the beach because um, the festival's down by the beach. And I said, um, he's like, how are you going? And I said, oh, look, I'm kind of, I'm struggling a bit at the moment because we're sort of like, we've, we've been so busy, we've grown so quickly, all this stuff's happening, I'm flying here, I'm flying there. But like, I'm just not sure if this is kind of, you know, what it's all about. Like, it's not, we didn't just start this whole thing to to get big and make lots of money and all this sort of stuff. And and we we were like, we had to stop the walk because we had to go back to the festival, but uh, we decided to like say, well, why don't we put a placeholder in as far as our purpose, which is to make the world a better place. Um, and so we went around the festival and that was kind of it. And, and, and that was a very broad statement to make, but I guess more and more what it did was it, it really forced me to stop and go, well, I didn't start this thing just to win awards or get charts positions or, all this sort of stuff and so why why do i keep doing this you know why don't i just why don't i just manage bands why don't i just do this why don't i do that why are we building this big thing and it's like well for whatever reason like i get a real kick out of investing in other people um and i don't know i still don't know what that says about me but i, I just really enjoy investing in other people supporting other people helping other people win um and so if you take that back to at the beginning of COVID for us, which was innovation and connection. I'm like, well, where's the innovation opportunities? Um, what other types of people can we invest in? Um, and a guy named Joe, who works in our Melbourne office, was like, why don't we look at gaming? And I guess it's that simple. And I guess that also sort of speaks to the way we look at business. We don't just jump in and, and walk in and think we know everything, but we, you know, if we want to start a merch company, well, we go and start a merch company. If we want to, if we want to run a record label, we run a record label. And so, yeah, we've been doing a lot of work in the last few months, and yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to follow, and it's uh, it's really exciting. Investing in people, like making helping people with their careers, it's such a meaningful purpose, and something that Locke and I really resonate with. Is we put a lot of this content out that helps give people tools, tricks, strategies, and techniques. Oh, how's, to how's the arrogance there? In, the, in their do life. We, do we? That's what we, we assume. Do. We, we hope do. we do. We hope we do. But what is it that you look for in people? Like, obviously, you've got a really good eye for talent because you've, you've helped make and break some break these artists globally and internationally that are just huge. But th they weren't always that big. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, what do you look for in people? Um... Well, I guess there's obviously got to be talent of some sort, um, but I think that it's it's pretty straightforward. You're looking for good people with good ideas, but like, because you can't you can't work with someone like the amount of, the amount of work that goes into something that you're passionate about. It's really hard to do it with someone that you can't get along with. 
Um, and it doesn't mean you have to be best mates. It doesn't mean you have to be standing next to them while they're getting married or something like that. Um, although, you know, I have stood next to people, you know, I, I was part of Luke's wedding party, for example. But like, you know, we, you, you've got to have a connection if you're going to invest this much energy. You know, we're not just walking into a room with a clipboard and, and giving people a bit of advice and then moving on to the next meeting. Like this is serious stuff. But yeah, ultimately, like, and I guess that's why I was so inspired by what you guys are doing. It's like, there's a real, there's a real kick you can get out of having a career, like a meaningful career. Um, you know, and for me, like I've literally spent the last 19 years just doing, doing work that I just absolutely love. Like, and if I can help other people do that um, in a world that's like full of so much negativity, like maybe, you know, funny business and all these other great things that are happening in the world can just sort of continue to move along and we can inspire more people to see that the world is actually a really, really positive place. I'm loving that. That, that was one of the things we did learn from, from starting the podcast is, you know, just generating that positivity and it's not even like, Hey, let's be positive today or any of that sort of shit. It's not saying that it's more like, saying cool things about other shit and just getting their mind off things and just things can be better. It's all good. Like let's get moving again. You know what I mean? Like be optimistic, be optimistic. Like what else are you going to do? Like, yes, you need time to grieve. I think when something big happens and stuff like that, but you really need to just, we've, we found like being so busy that you just, you know what I mean? And, and providing that value, you sort of start the momentum. I don't know. I think you got to get those little wins. And if people, it's, it's nice to be, I think it's a good thing to spread positive positivity, send some good vibes out there. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's a fine line because business makes money. Right. And so if you're losing shit, tons of money, you feel shit. And if you're making lots of money, you might feel good. Right. But <laughs> if you can, if you can separate yourself at least from the upside and go, well, why do I actually like, why am I sitting here at eight o'clock at night? And why do I have a nine o'clock and why do I have a 10 o'clock? You know, like normal people don't do that. No, um, I don't know. Maybe I don't think they do. It's, it's finding something that you're passionate about. I think that we talked about this before is around people who I think you're a perfect example of someone who's followed their dreams and their passions and they're living their life and they're you can see happy. You can see that you you're happy because you're you're giving back and you're living your passion and your purpose. But it's something that a lot of people struggle with, and especially the, some of the content that we put out in, in the business world. And, with the impacts of COVID and things that are going on in the world at the moment, like we've, like we've mentioned, it's giving people a lot of opportunity to take a step back and look at the things of what makes me happy. What am I interested in? What gives me passion and energy and how can I make a career or life around it? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I relate to that a lot because even, even amongst all the things I'm doing and all the busyness, like I'm still creating as much time as I can to, to think or to cook or to like, uh, I think I mentioned the other day, but I'm really into yoga and I spend a lot of time meditating and I do a lot of work in that area to kind of, I don't want to just burn out. Like I, I had that, like that happened to me years ago. So I don't need that to happen again. And I know how to not let that happen. Um, and I think if I didn't enjoy this as much, I would be looking for other things to do. Um, but yeah, COVID totally has been a, a perfect chance to, yeah, just take a breath. What do you do when you're so busy? So like you got meetings back to back, you got things always going on. You've talked about introducing meditation. We're talking about how you've got yoga and, and things like that. But how do you like when the, when you've got that time slot that says, all right, this is your, this is your relaxed time slot. Time to sleep. Time to sleep. <laughs> time to relax. Yeah. How do you go about like switching your brain off or getting Context into those switching, zones? Yeah. Context switching. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I think like running is probably like the time where I get the most, like the easiest way to just kind of snap out of it. Um, so I live pretty close to the Yarra River. So I sort of run down there and, and get a few Ks under my belt. And that's always, that's always really good. But also just hanging out with Rach, my wife, you know, we find something to talk about. I've kind of got a new rule where I like try not to talk to her about work, you know, like we'll talk about stuff we need to talk about, but like, that, that was when I was, there was a time there where I was like, every single thing we would, I would talk about anyway, was about work. And I had this moment, actually, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this, but I was doing a call with my accountant 
uh, Brad Davidson, who's an absolute legend. And he was saying, oh, COVID's been great. I get to have lunch with my wife and daughter every day. And I'm like, what a, like, what a beautiful thing to say, right? Mm. And then I thought to myself, do you think he goes and sits down with his wife and daughter and tells them about how he like just nailed this like tax return and like pulled off this awesome thing? Of course he doesn't. So why the hell am I going to tell my wife about how we just did this great marketing thing and like blah, 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 TikTok and blah, 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 this and that. It's like, there's, there's a time and a place, but it's like, let's actually just chill and talk about something else even if it's just what we're going to have for dinner tonight oh can can definitely right that's something that i'm struggling with at the moment i notice myself i'm like it's 10 o'clock at night my girlfriend just came home from work and i've been peppering her since she's walked in the door going this has happened this has happened this has happened she's like it's all good fuck off you know i'm like can i just have a shower and just chill out and can we watch the bachelor you know and it's like if i'm sitting there watching the bachelor my mind just can't switch off anyway so it's like fuck like maybe i need to meditate maybe i need to take a leaf out of your book, mate. You might have to send me some, uh, send me some videos and some courses because it's getting to me at the moment. It's like, it's hard though. You know what I mean? Like you feel like if you don't, if you stop, it's going to all go away or it's not going to go as quick or you're letting yourself down. It's like, well, not really. If I just take, I'll probably be better equipped to deal with problems tomorrow. If I have nine hours sleep, you know, hundred percent. It must be hard though to not talk to your wife about work when you work with her. Totally. Oh yeah, of course. If there's stuff we need to talk about, but it's rather than just like constantly reciting, like, yeah, I had this great call with these guys. They're legends. We're going to like take over the world. You know, it's just, like, it's just chill, you know, like, and, and, and it's hard and it's hard to not talk about things you're passionate about too. But, and this might like start to go in a little bit of a sort of weird direction. Maybe not. I shouldn't have said that, but like I got really into journaling last year, you know, um and that just that's a game changer because you basically just get to have a conversation with yourself you get to just say whatever the hell you want to say and no one's ever going to read it until you're dead um so (laughs) like just go for it i I like that because you can actually see it's like everything that i'm sort of learning or what i've what i've learned is that when you see and you step outside yourself and you're a viewer of your experience and you're like well hang on that's a good technique to just put yourself out and go I'm, I'm not what I am. You know what I mean? Like you can really figure out what you're doing, your thought patterns. You can reflect back and go, oh, I felt like this. You can, I don't know. It's just, you're a good writer too. I think you write well. So who else used Erica? Erica, yeah. Erica Gerards from Fluff. She, she journals and she, if you want to learn about copy or anything, not you personally, but anyone listening at home, Erica Gerards, she is amazing. Her, the way she writes and tells a story and crafts a narrative and, just unreal. And I think she mentioned the journaling and, and that self-reflection and really getting it out there. And it's like you're spilling it all out. It's all out there. I don't know. It does. It does seem to work. You're, do you journal? You journaled for a bit, didn't you? I did for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have a book that I keep with me, which is my thoughts on things. So I have like a sketch pad where I can do, I, I don't like sit down, like write out my thoughts or write a narrative of what I'm doing, but I do brain dump mm. similar sort of stuff. I can't, if I don't get it out of my head, I feel like, it'll stay in there for, forever. But I, I think that journaling is one of those techniques that allows you to, once you've got it documented somewhere and it lives somewhere that's outside of your mind, it gives your mind that little bit of a freedom that it goes, cool, that lives somewhere I can relax. That's why I think Ooh, you like that? Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, exactly it. You just get it out. The other thing I started doing during COVID was sending a weekly email to our entire company, um, which is not the most creative thing to do. A lot of CEOs do that, but it's been incredible. And some weeks I'm like, oh, that wasn't very good. Other weeks I was like, oh, I might have gone a bit far there. Um, but like on Friday we did, I asked Rach to write a guest post. So she wrote this awesome thing about, you know, the parks are now open for two hours a day in Melbourne. So it's like, get out there and get amongst it. Um, you know, and and I shared that with the whole company. They got a really good vibe. But just also, and you guys are in such a fortunate position as, you know, content creators or storytellers, like what a great... Um, you know, position you guys are in to be able to, you know, share that, that message with, with your community. Oh, mate, a hundred percent. It's been pretty surreal to be honest. It's been a night. It's been an interesting few months, really. It's been so busy. Well, you said, you said something to us that stuck out. We, we said this off air before, but the flywheel, I want you to explain what the fucking flywheel is. Cause it blew my mind and I feel like we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny, and and um, yeah, I, I've got to I've got to teach you a lot about the flywheel because we might not fully grasp the concept just yet. But the, the concept you've got <laughs> oh, is, is we want to learn the hard way. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we, when we spoke the other night, I told you about Jim Collins, who you know, uh, you know, incredible business author who's based in Boulder, Colorado. He wrote a book called Good to Great, which is a really famous business book, and you know. I, I've like, I've read so many business books and I used to find them really inspiring and I hit a point and I can't remember which book it was, but I hit a point where it started to like, it started to give me anxiety because it was like, okay, cool. Like I'm never going to be as good as Elon Musk. Like, you know, if you're reading books like that, it's like, you just, you know, you got to kind of dial it down a little bit, you know, anyway, that was where I was at. So but Jim Collins just provides a really great, um, he's basically a researcher. He researches business and he extracts theories on what makes them successful. And then he puts them into easy to understand analogies like flywheels and, and writes books on them. And I was lucky enough to go to um, his office in Colorado last year in September, um, a company out of Sydney called The Growth Faculty um, run this sort of like annual study trip to Colorado. It was like, it was awesome. Like I got a photo with him. Like, like <laughs> I met some of the biggest, like I met some of the biggest like names in music and I never got a photo with any of them, but I got a photo with Jim Collins. <laughs> I'll send it to you. It was awesome. Big Jim. Oh, he's a legend. He's like 61. That's what he said. Cause um, I said, oh, Jim, I'm getting, I'm getting old. I'm, I'm 35 and I'm not sure. Any, and he goes, Chad, I'm 61 and young. You're, you're a baby. <laughs> but anyway, the concept of the flywheel, like just to, a, to, to, to jump through a bunch of the analogies, which I'll do another time, it, it's, it's about momentum, but it's about making sure your flywheel is pointed in the right direction. And it's the work that's done prior to getting the momentum to ensure that once it starts to spin, that it's spinning in the right direction and giving you the right results. Um, and you guys are totally in the, in in the process of building your flywheel at the moment, uh, I'm excited to see it happen. Oh mate, I've got the uh, I've got the spanner out. I've, I've, there's no there's no calluses on these Locks bad never, boys. You wouldn't know how to pick up I a am, spanner. I've got, <laughs> you have no idea how to pick up a spanner. Do not to use call it. me to do anything. That's all. I'll give you the tip. I can't do anything. <laughs> so I won't be building any flywheel, but I'll be I'll be telling Rob where to where to put the nails <laughs> and hammer it in. <laughs> The first principle is is level five leadership, and then the second principle is getting the right people on the bus. There so, make sure as long as you got someone with a spanner on the bus, you'll be fine. Ah, uh, I like funny. that. I like that. It's a, it's a, it works out well for you though, on the bus, huh? You, you drive you, you drive the bus. I don't drive the bus, mate. It took me. I got my license when I was twenty eight years old, so I was a late bloomer. I lived across the road from big roads pretty much for most of my life. So, it, yeah, he, I'm he a, bus is a passenger. On the buses, he's happy with all the attention because he feels like he, he already had a few rock star tendencies. Like, no, I don't drive, no, I'll be picked up. It was the best thing that happened. Oh, 100%. Mate. 100%. I didn't, I came back from Canada. I was like, people are like Uber, I was like, taxi. I'm like, no, bro, this, they pick you up and they know your name and shit. It's like, what? Uber's real. Uber's real. Um, how do you taking it back? How do you learn? Like, what are you learning at the moment? Like, I know you mentioned you read books and stuff, you listen to podcasts and stuff, but like who inspires you? Like, is there, I know not a mentor or anything like that, but like there's a few people who we look up to and, and get advice from and, and stuff like that. Is there anyone who's sort of, you know, helped you in your journey? Yeah. Help me out, Rob. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's been a lot of people like for me, I read a lot of, um, I read a lot of like uh, I mentioned, I think before the call, but I was talking about Marcus Aurelius. So I read a lot of Stoic philosophy. Um, I just find it really interesting hearing about these people from like, you know, thousands of years ago and how they did it and how it's relatable to today. Um, and that's where a lot of the journaling sort of inspiration comes from. But as far as in the real world, like, um, like my grandfather, um, he, he owned a business um, and was always very, I guess just always spoke to me about business from a young age um, and about like investing and about like, um, you know, building, building businesses and adding value to people's lives and all that sort of stuff. So that was like, was always on my radar. 
Um, and then same with my parents. They um, were really successful in uh, my dad. My dad's a plumber. He teaches plumbing, um, but he also had a plumbing business. And then um, basically mum and dad went into Baker's Delight, like bakery business yeah. um, for a few years. And like, they were just kind of like these smart people that sort of knew how to like figure it out. They're like, got three kids, you've got to send them to school. There's not, not enough money in plumbing. Let's go do some baking for a few years. And then they just went back to plumbing. Like it's pretty inspiring stuff. So I kind of like had these different experiences of my grandfather's business was much bigger. It was uh, steel manufacturing and all this sort of stuff. Whereas my parents were like very entrepreneurial and very like, what do we need to do to provide for the family? Um, but yeah, so that's been like a big part of that family concept and caring about people around you, understanding why you're doing what you're doing rather than just like market share or any kind of driver that's sort of outside of just actually like, well, how do I make sure these people are looked after? How do I make sure I continue to build these person's careers and all that sort of stuff? And as a result, market share and charts and those things fly, fly off the back, but it's never sort of the driver for us as an independent business. Um, I don't know, like, yeah, there's been heaps of people that have helped me. I just don't know how much detail you want me to go into. <laughs> no, it was just more around like, um, I mean, like, who are you learning from? Like at the moment you said you're talking about innovation and stuff like that. Like, is there anyone, we, we mentioned Gary V, like we, we, we consumed his content for a while, but it's, is it stuff like that? Like other sort of content that you probably wouldn't have consumed in the music world, maybe that's a bit different. Good point. Like, like I'm, when I think about it, like I'm really lucky. I've got an incredible network. Um, like a lot of my friends, like two of my friends um, have a company called Bolster, which is a digital marketing agency in Melbourne. They also started Linktree, which is, you know, one of Australia's hottest startups right now. And, I love Linktree. You know, Robbie's a big fan of Linktree. I love Linktree. You know, like, so they're two brothers and Anthony, the eldest, him and I went to school together and just like, it's just so inspiring to see your mates like doing stuff like that. And um, another one of my mates, Adam lives in Nashville. He runs the Alliance Bernstein office there. They're a big, huge money manager, uh, looks after money for, you know, big football stars and uh, actors and actresses and all sorts of people. And just like, I guess, yeah, talking to these interesting people that are doing different things that are sort of slightly related to what I do, but but not. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I read what I read and I read kind of on repeat. Um, like I read Jim Collins on repeat and I read Stoic Philosophy on repeat. And I spend years reading, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and like Skin in the Game and Grit and Drive and all these sorts of like classics of business. Um, but then I just started to feel like there was almost a bit of a law of diminishing returns coming back from it. Cause it was just like, I'm just filling my brain with like acronym after acronym and like, yeah, we'll just double this and triple that and blah, 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 that. And it wasn't really serving me. And I just sort of like, these are the things that serve me. These are the things that inspire me and let's go. Like literally like I can't turn the camera, but like there's, there's a pile of Jim Collins books just sitting right there basically. And, and same with my, you know, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca sitting right here. Um, yeah, so I kind of keep it simple. I think that's a good way to do it. I feel like people can get sucked down a trap. Like if you need to be in that learning mode and you're, you're still trying to figure things out and like what you want to do and you, you, you know that you lack some, like some knowledge or skills that you're trying to get out of the books. But if you can, I think you can sometimes get that like analysis paralysis. Like I've read too much, I've absorbed too much. What do I do with all this I stuff? Know I can do it. I need to yeah. start actually get, getting yeah. into do mode. Like I can't, it's all good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Jim. I've, 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 I've heard <laughs> you. I needed to go try these out for myself. And then I'll come back and, and use it as references when I know what I need to explore next. Totally. And I guess the other way, and, and as I think about it more, because I don't want to make it sound like i am got it figured out, because I still, you know, if you guys sent me an article, I'd, I'd read it. You know, like I'm reading Forbes and HBR and all these different things all the time. And, you know, obviously topics like, um, work from home and, you know, digital culture and all these things are so important right now. But like, um, also like, like how good is YouTube? It's like, oh, it's the best. You know, we were, we were discussing one of our clients, like they wanted to do a, um, you know, a Patreon style campaign. And we're like, well, is it Patreon? Is it OnlyFans? Is it Cameo? Is it this? I literally just Googled what I just said 
and a 12 minute video showed up and I watched it and, and helped me make a decision. You know what I mean? Like, so like, if you want to learn Spanish, like just Google, how do I speak Spanish? And you know, it might take you six months, but it's, it's all there for you. Oh, the information's right at the fingertips. I think it's funny, like Locke and I are very much on that, that train. If you want to learn something, like you don't really, yes, if you want to get like super down the levels of learning, you might have to go to a course or something. But if you're just trying to find out information or learn a new skill or learn how to use a tool that might help your business, like YouTube is an amazing resource. Own it, own the skill, own the internal skill, isn't it? You got own, the, own the capability for yourself and your business. And it's not hard to learn the skills. It's like, if you can, if you want to go learn how to do Facebook ads, you could just go and watch, I don't know if I'm sure that you could get it, YouTube. If you right. watch 10 hours to 12 hours of YouTube, you'd be in a position where you'd feel comfortable enough to turn on the ad manager and launch a campaign yourself. You may not be successful straight away, but at least you'd be learning, you'd be up and going. So it's like exactly the same with anything. I go to, I got stuck watching about, I go, I get in a sinkhole with YouTube. I was watching similar sort of like, how does it work? with microgreens. Have you seen microgreens? No. It's like... He's going to boy to death here. Have a, <laughs> no, on, give him a quick spiel about microgreens. You've got, you got two minutes. Go. It's like indoor... It's, it's indoor agriculture and how it's like it's, it's produced and manufactured in such a little small space in like trays and racks and you, you can produce these businesses that it's like less than like six to eight hundred bucks to set up and you can produce all this food and you can like feed your family and feed communities. And it, I just watched so many of these YouTubes anyway. <laughs> that was good. That's amazing. He I was interested. That. Look, I'm it telling you, it, there's genuine okay. excitement in his face. Or, I'm not cheating you. Oh, well, if Chris, if Chris <laughs> Wilson's listening, he'll, he'll love it. But urban agriculture is a real thing, mainly because of the way that like the technology and sustainability aspect about something used like 97 to 98% less water. Like you can produce way much, way more quantity per square meter and it's just more innovative ways to produce food and, and nourish like how do we sustain our demands we're talking about needs and wants before but like spraying with pesticides spraying with pesticides yeah but how do like <laughs> the, the way that even like agriculture and stuff and the way that we produce our food that's going to drastically change and so many different things happening so don't know how we got there from youtube <laughs> hey get on youtube and go down a rabbit hole <laughs> do it it's there how do you, uh, what about um LinkedIn, I know, I know we preach it a lot on the importance of LinkedIn and we've had chats obviously before about this, but you mentioned that you're interested in LinkedIn and pushing content on there. How good's the bloody platform, to be honest, in terms of like, there's an opportunity there. The, yeah. The opportunities that like, we've found from having a LinkedIn first approach. And I know since we've started telling people about this and watching them grow and start posting and start doing stuff and networking, you're actually seeing the results in real time. And it's, it doesn't take that long to build a big network of, of cool people and you know get your ideas out there and, and heard and seen so i'd like to hear your take on linkedin and, and your approach yeah well look I, it's it's early but like i i signed up years ago and pretty quickly just saw it as a recruitment thing and i was like well i don't need a job so i don't really need to use it so i just log in every now and then and sort of accept all the people that had asked me to be their friend um and then i guess i got really into um Masters of Scale, like Reid Hoffman's podcast. Have you listened to that? I haven't listened um, to that of it. It's well, because he started LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Pretty sure he did. Yeah. It's a pretty awesome podcast. Um, it just as far as like business that is, businesses that are scaling that are venture backed. Um, but yeah, really interesting. But I guess it was COVID where I, you know, once again, looked around, innovate, connect, LinkedIn, um, got in there, you know, added probably 500 people that have asked me to be their friend because I hadn't checked it for like six months. You're wanting um, man, and people then, want to connect with you. Trust me. And then pretty quickly, I was like, wow, there's like some good vibes going on here. Because like you go on Facebook and you're like, oh, sweet. So-and-so had a baby. Oh, sweet. So-and-so put out an album. And then it's just like, then the, the sort of horror hits of, of what's going on on there. And, and Instagram isn't too far off. Um, at least like on a, on a personal level, like I don't get a huge amount out of looking at social media, but for me, LinkedIn was like, oh, there's a really interesting article about, yeah, the impacts of working from home on mental health. Um, that's inspiring. And there's people that are commenting, I'm like, wow, these people look interesting. And then I'll, I'll go and add them. And next thing I know, that's how we met, you know, just hitting each other up. Um, I think I replied two months late, so I'm really sorry about that. 
Oh no, I would have been pestering you with a recruitment email probably anyway. So you, you, when you said it was spam, it probably was a bit of spam. You know, <laughs> it was a bit of customized spam straight in your inbox. Um, but we've just started to like, I guess, focus on it as a company. Uh, and we're going to start to focus on it more and more because yeah, I can see it. A friend of mine, Luke Gerges, owns a company called The Bragg Media. And he, he came and spoke to us recently. We did like a, a weekly, we should get you guys to come in actually. We do a weekly uh a special guest that comes and speaks to all our artist managers. Maybe you guys can come and talk about LinkedIn. Um, anyway, yeah, okay. talk about it the other day. Um, but he he said exactly what you guys have said. LinkedIn is is this, it's that. It, it, it's connecting. It's it's viral. It's positive. People are celebrating things. It's like this is where we need to be. So yeah, we um I I, I spoke to. Uh, a bunch of people at the company the other day about it. So we're going to start focusing on this more. We're going to start, we're going to start posting more and just like actually taking it as seriously as we're taking all our other channels. So yeah, I'm, I'm right behind it. Oh, hundred percent. And pe for people like yourself, you, you become the rock star. You know what I mean? Like people look at you going, what is he doing behind the scenes? How is he getting it done? I know you might be a little bit like Batman and want to live in the shadows, but if you didn't and you wanted to explore that and become Gary fucking V, you, you could, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can start because I think whether we're all the same where we consume content like the articles, like quick reads that are like, you know, four or five minutes. And it's like, oh, that, that I learned a lot in that sort of short amount of time. And that's all LinkedIn is. So it's like you're learning so much. And like you said, I didn't even really think about the positive vibes that LinkedIn is because it's always people celebrating a job or helping someone out or sharing knowledge. So it actually mm. is a positive platform. It's not the dreary facebook where you're getting like you're saying you might have the albums but then you got bob down the road who's saying everything's a conspiracy don't get vaccinated and all that shit so it's like <laughs> well you know what i mean like there's none of that sort of stuff on linkedin and it's a it's a it's a good place to inspire build your network for free and talk to genuine people who i don't know like you were saying people more receptive because it is their cv it is their personal yeah. brand they it's they own it it's them you know I, mean? I think the other thing with that one is because they do own it, they they are interested. They're more like you couldn't go out and make that many friends in real life. You like you don't have access to those. You can't find your people. So mm. it's like by finding like you can go through. I, we say it all the time, but like the search bar is your friend. You can search for things that you're interested in, and you can find the type of content that people are putting out. And if you get the extra features, like you go, all right, well, who's in Melbourne putting stuff out around that? And you go, okay, well, hey, you you look interesting. You look interesting, and because because like you said, they do have their own, like it's your, your CV, your profile. And that's where the, the, the platform I think is evolving to being like, there will be, it will be more like a massive content platform, like an Instagram and stuff where people put stuff out, but it's got that, oh, that business lens to it. So it's, it's more authentic. There's realness there because you can't bullshit. Like <laughs> you can't put out an act and say you're doing that. And then it's not true. Cause you're just going to get called out publicly. <laughs> you know I mean? So it's like, well, fuck yeah. what I, because I think of some things and I'm like, if I post this, is like, what if I'm wrong? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it really needs to be a bit more trustworthy, you know? So that was the biggest thing we've got. Was it the number one trustworthy social platform? Yeah. LinkedIn. There you go. And it, and it comes back to what we said earlier about um, people are inspired about careers. People are inspired about purpose, like all these things. And it's a place to see that. And yeah, there's going to be people, there will be, the conspiracies will be there if they're not already. Um, but at the same time, yeah, people are there to learn. And like I said, I, the main reason I go there is, is to learn. Um, and also like, there's like, I, cause I, I went to hit you up lock and realized that you already hit me up. So I was like, Oh God, like, <laughs> that's, that's the way I work. Brother. The point is, I don't, I feel like I, I've, I've reached out to some really big people on the platform and not all of them have responded and I totally understand. But at the same time, like it gives you that feeling that you can just kind of knock on anyone's door. Um, and it's like, well, why not? Oh, but man, people are honestly, people are a little bit scared, I think, because they think it's like Facebook where you're just adding a friend, like a random, and it's like, fuck, I don't know you. I don't want you to see photos of my family. You know what I mean? But this is more like, hey, like I really love what you're doing. How can we help? How can we make this fucking thing work? You know what I mean? It's, there's plenty of opportunities. and. Like you were saying, it's not a cre it's not a creepy thing. It's more like a, a healthy thing. And I think there's two ways that people would definitely use it. There's, yeah, well, there is the in our way. way yeah, well, in our, yeah. The way that we like to approach it is that we put, if you want to go to Locke's Guide to LinkedIn, you it's know, free. It's free. But it talks about, um, Locke, we, we made a bit of a download talking about how, how do you actually build meaningful connections online? What are the things you need to do 
when tackling a, like tackling a new platform like LinkedIn, so it's not asking for things straight away. You know yeah, I mean? we'd have people just saying, hey, I love what you're doing. Can you do this? And it's like, well, I don't know who you are. And now I understand now why people said no to me, you know? And I'm like, well, what value is that providing you? Like we've had, yes, we've had people with no audience and none of that, but they've helped us in a way where they're like, hey, really love what you're doing. I wrote this little story about you. Yeah, we're going to share that. You know what I mean? Thanks for supporting us and doing that sort of stuff. But not people out of the woodwork going, hey, Dude, my friend's boss, can, can he jump on and do the podcast? Like, well, why? It doesn't, there's no value in it for us. We don't, we're not a charity. You know what I mean? As harsh as that sounds, like we need to grow this thing and make it work as well. So it needs to be the partnership. You know what I mean? It's so the community. It's the it's community. Karma points are real. The community comes back and you just got to, I feel like if you put enough karma points out in the world, then it's hopefully it's an easy, point, it's it comes good, back around. But it's a good place to make a good first impression and make your first move. You know what I mean? Like how you want, how creative as you want you know like that but it's good for us like at 17 i'm sure linkedin would have been awesome for you you know what i mean like you would have been like frothing out oh yeah it would have been next level rather than having to like fly across the world to a conference and like follow yeah. people around in person well 100 you could just <laughs> like i got this mad band why can't i get this bloke in the atlanta records or interscope or whatever i can just hit him up and go hey bro listen to this. If you don't, you're a dickhead. You know what I mean? And then he goes, they're cool. Let's sign them. Done. You know what I mean? Like that, that can actually happen. You know what I mean? Like, like we always thought, you know, we think in Australia and stuff like that, but it's like, we can translate, we can do different things. Like it's a big, big world. Why can't we do stuff like that? LinkedIn, you can get to know everyone around the world for free. Like anyway, that. I feel like we should be working for LinkedIn. Well, we We're not even LinkedIn. We need a sponsorship by LinkedIn. We keep trying. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what, what, what's, what's on for the rest of 2020 for you? I guess we're just, we're just chipping away. Like we've got, we've got, like I said, we've got a num- couple of things launching before the end of the year, um, which is really exciting. A couple of new businesses um, and just really getting stuck into next year. Like it, it's, it's a fine line. A lot of people are saying things like, uh, you know, piss off 2020, bring on 2021. I'm like, I don't know, like, if that's the best way to look at it because 2021 could be worse. Who knows? Like, it's not as simple. Like, the calendar doesn't just flip and everything changes. But that said, optimism, positivity, um, it does feel like it's gonna it's gonna be a great chance to start afresh. Um, and yeah, there's just there's just opportunity after opportunity. I was talking to. Uh, young guy, Harry, who's actually lives in Torquay as well. He runs our agency, Lonely Lands agency. He books artists like Tones and I, and Ziggy Elberts and Tass Sultana and stuff. And he's like, man, we've got so many gigs like that are all postponed. Like just, they're just sitting there waiting to like happen. You know, like the amount of opportunity that is sitting there for our industry and how keen people are going to be to go out to a gig when they can. It's just going to be uh, insane. So yeah, we're very optimistic about next year um spending this year just continuing to do what we do and, and yeah really getting ready for next year but i'm excited for when things open back up we went and had a beer on the weekend yeah things opened up we went backwards in restriction levels we were allowed to sit at the table sign in and it was a bit odd the experience with no music and oh, there was music playing over speakers but like don't laugh too loud you know what i mean like it's very like <laughs> who's having fun you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like that but Hey, when, um, well, we can, but when you, when you can leave your little bubble, um, you'll have to come down and we'll, um, we'll show you around Torquay and maybe get you in the three, two, is it a three, two steamer? Two, three steamer. Get in the wetsuit. Yeah. It was a beautiful day today. It was a beautiful day today. I reckon you, do you surf? Uh, I used to surf when I was like a lot younger. Like my dad, uh, grew up surfing. He yeah. grew, he'd surf down at Bells. He, he, he was a kneeboarder, which I don't even know if people see them anymore. Uh, Hey, hey, kneeboarding. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> Rob, I've got this board. It's a Spook Kooks board. By the way, we're getting the, the dudes from Spook Kooks on the pod as well. But it's like a, it's like an in-between a bodyboard and a surfboard. And it's perfect for me because I just can get to my knees when I surf. So <laughs> when people look and go, oh, that's what it's meant for. You know what I mean? Like, he's not just sucking shit. So <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll and get so, you on that board. It's grouse. Yeah, well, but then I, I used to surf a male, like a, a big guy. And one of my friends was like in the surf club at Lawn. So I used to go down to Lawn heaps and surf down there. Um, but sort of similar to, you know, my woe is me story of like running a business. Like I just didn't have time. So um, 
I've surfed a few times like over the years, like my wife and I, Rach and I were in Hawaii at one point and we were in like Oahu, <laughs> like we were like on the North Shore. I was like, oh, I got to go out in the North Shore. I haven't surfed in five years. It's like, you know, lucky I didn't die. <laughs> it's all, it's like the paddle, it's the fitness, I think. Like paddle fitness. As soon as I walk out with the board, I'm puffed out and want to go in, you know what I mean? But I'll just hang out the back and just, it's not big enough yet. It's not big enough. And then just paddle in. He's a good marker. Yeah, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll take a nice walk on the beach and then... Yeah, the me and you. Yeah, and we'll watch Robbie try and tear it up. He reckons he's the king, but we'll I don't know how outside. good he is. Not gonna lie. No, but we can. We can get the we can get the little we can get the music happening. We can have a few beers. We can watch you surfing. There's a few bars that overlook the beach just around the corner from our joint. So we're ready for things to open back up and a bit of life and entertain. We're, yeah. we're ready to entertain. We're ready. We're ready. We can't wait for you to come down. Mate. Well, mate, I'd, I'd thanks so to. much for spending your Monday night with us. No worries. Thank you, guys. Like, yeah, really inspired by what you guys are doing as well. So. Thanks for having me on and yeah, look forward to seeing where things can head. Jaden Comerford, what a switched on unit. Um, obviously great to chat. We've been chatting, like I said, for, for a little bit now, but I don't know, man, he's lived a pretty cool life, hasn't he? A hundred percent. I just feel, I just honestly, I said at the, at the start that like, being able to live your dream and follow what you do and be involved in music and, been involved in a lot of creative people and people who are following their passion. It seems to be like that's that's what people are who are in this industry. And to be, I don't know, working behind the scenes, helping people and help, especially helping Aussie artists um, explode in the global scene, it must be really, really fulfilling. So I feel very grateful to be able to sit down and have a chat to Jaden. And yeah, big things. Hey, look at that. That was professional, funny enough, and informative. Rob, you, you always deliver. You Thank always you. look when I'm struggling, when my right hand is up, you're like the lifeguard who just brings out the Bondi the Beach, mate. Bondi me. Beach. What's that? Bondi Beach, mate. Bondi Beach. You've you've done a good job. You've wrapped that up nicely. And um as and mentioned. Like, share, subscribe, see you next episode. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't steal that from me. You're fucking rambling, mate. No, I know, I know. Like, share, subscribe, do the right thing. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right.